Hello everyone, welcome back to Rowan and the Wasteland, where we discuss a film and honor its place amongst its peers. My name is Rowan Wood, and joining me as always, he also had a beautiful spirit. He considered the needs of a person he didn't know and likely would never meet. It's Shane Kanto, ladies and gentlemen. I have nothing in response equally as poetic as that, <laughs> so I won't even try. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's Kurosawa for you. <laughs> um, Shane, what movie are we talking about today? Yes, we're talking about Dersu Uzala, which is a very different film for Akira Kurosawa, because this is not about feudal Japan, and it's not about, like, Japanese mystery thriller or drama in like urban like Tokyo or anything. This is very much a story of two cultures coming together in the wilderness and trying to survive. And then it gets really dark. Yeah. Really dark. I mean, it got, it got, to be fair, it did get kind of dark at the beginning when spoiler alert, we know that the character of Dursu does die at the end. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, funnily enough, this is the movie that Kurosawa won an Oscar for, um, which is yes. fascinating because this is not even a Japanese film. It is a film produced no. in and by the USSR, um, which is yeah. crazy that that is the movie of all of the classic uh, Kurosawa movies. Yep. That is the one that ended up winning Best International Feature, um, which, you know, maybe maybe USSR just had a better awards push than japan back then you never know um you this movie know. came out in 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 1975 it was uh later in uh, kurosawa's um career yeah. um but even so just uh, like accepting that like this feels different from any other kurosawa movies maybe because of the russian element um still very atmospheric still very poetic shane as you were saying it's like yep. it's sort of an epic friendship story like o over the course yes. of two and a half hours these characters are becoming friendly um th they are of course not without their troubles they go on expeditions they're kind of thrown into a journey together um and it's a story told in parts uh definitely like it's it's, it's very segmented um and yeah as shane mentioned a a, a very tragic ending which you can like it's it, like it's it's telegraphed very clearly but that doesn't take away from the effectiveness when it actually does happen no, and this film it yeah is very different from most Kurosawa films, and even just from like a filmmaking, like this doesn't feel as like crisp and cinematic. It feels like warmer and more naturalistic than a lot of Kurosawa films, and like even IMDb has like docudrama because it does have like a vibe of like you're just like watching these people out in the wilderness. Right. doing all these wilderness things but no i did love the dynamic between our two main characters from very different cultures from very different perspectives who build this connection through adversity out in the wilderness and how their friendship evolves over time and it's very interesting what this film has to say about people's cultures mm -hmm. and trying to adapt to people's cultures and trying to fundamentally change who you are mm -hmm. to try to live a new life. And there's so many levels of like tragedy that this film goes through of like, what if you're put in a position where you can't live the life that you want to live anymore? Right. And how do you process that? And where does that take you? And this movie takes you to some dark places. And 
obviously like up to a pretty tragic conclusion, but like that journey that you go through in this film, this does feel epic in scale, certainly like Kurosawa can do. It just feels like we're lost in the wilderness and the only thing that can keep us together are like these two men who develop such an interesting relationship over time. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 very much anchored uh by that by that friendship. And what's interesting is that this may be my least favorite Kurosawa, like maybe by just default because he is mm -hmm. one of the greatest filmmakers who has ever lived. And yet it's still just so deep and it is yeah. impossible to ignore what it's saying about belief and like the melding of different cultures and it's very elemental in the way that it like treats the wilderness as its own character yeah um which is just so incredible um that it portrays the natural elements that way uh with such care and um i guess treating it sort of as an equal and as not just the backdrop of this movie, but a player in the story as well, um, which you almost never see, especially in movies today. Um, and and the, the fact that Kurosawa chose to spotlight that, I think makes this movie only more um, fascinating. Yeah, I definitely would agree. This is my least favorite Kurosawa film, and I've seen quite a few of them. Mm -hmm. But it's like one of those things where it's like like 99% of directors wish they could make a movie like this. Right, totally. And it's at the bottom of the barrel of a really famous director. But that barrel is not shallow. Yeah. Like, it, it's deep. And this still digs really deep. And the two anchoring performances at the center of this really, really work and you buy into it. And this film is one of those kinds of films where there's, there's a few special films that can have you experience a place, a landscape and something in such a deep way that you feel like you're fully engrossed in it. Mm -hmm. And I guess it is that kind of like docudrama type way of filming this that really lets you get lost in the wilderness with them and you can feel that journey you can feel the danger because there's some dangerous things that they have to deal with over the course of this film and it's something that like it's tense there's a lot of heart here and especially like the last parts of this film hit very different mm -hmm. and it hits on such a deep emotional level like it got me like, towards the end of this film, like, that whole entire last, I don't know, what, 20-something minutes just, like, hit me like that, right yeah. in the chest. And you're just, like, I just, Kurosawa can really, really play his audience and exactly what he wants you to do. And he definitely got me with this one. Totally. And I think the ending works in the way it does because it strips away those natural elements um mm -hmm. which is such a core part of not just dursu but of our main character whose name i'm blanking on right now as well even though he refuses like he would never admit it uh it is a part of him as well uh and 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 the fact that he is trying to ignore it and sort of push it out of his life at the end is is i think very signaling of you know of how most people think of the uh, like of the outside world yeah. um 
and the character of Dersu is the, you know, the purest of all of us, like the one who's most in touch with the world around him with uh, nature. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think this movie is really, really fantastic. I agree, Shane. 99% of directors wish they could make a movie yeah. like this. Exactly. Um, but uh, anyway, so uh, we have, uh, oh, I guess, Shane, I got to ask. Uh, it's been a while since we recorded, so I almost I almost forgot this. Where does this movie rank in the overall uh, list of now 82 films that we've talked about? I'm trying to find it <laughs> in my spreadsheet. This is number 31. It's in between Over the Garden Wall and The Best Years of Our Lives. And, like, I'm just looking at, like, the 30, like 30 films above it. I'm like, this is still a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely still got that feel. Totally. It's, it's, it's number 45 for me, so in a similar place. It's above Kung Fury and below Winter Light, uh, so in a very, um, in a, in a pretty, pretty similar place. Uh, we have three categories to talk about today, as we always do. Uh, that is movies made by a foreign director in a language that is not uh, their native one, uh, expedition movies, and our 1975 watch list. Uh, Shane, why don't you start us off with uh, movies made by a foreign director? So... My number five, which we talked about on the show, is RoboCop, because nice. only Paul Verhoeven could come here and be like, look at America. Um, next up is Snowpiercer, mm. which is one of the first films that um, Bong Joon-ho made with like actual like American actors and English and everything, which it's an interesting hybrid, though, which is still the thing, but like... Mm. that, I love that movie. It's such a great dystopia. My number three... Uh, I had to get a Denis Villeneuve film on here. Uh, Prisoners, which mm. feels like you would never think that this is like a director who did like English is not their language or anything like that. But it's just such a penetrating and intense and dark movie. Um, my number two is Black Narcissus, which we did the red shoes and such from the directors here and at least one of them was not uh born in an english speaking country and then my number one milish foreman's amadeus mm. which actually luke our czech friend actually made me really want to go check out milish foreman's uh milish foreman's films from before he came to the west but like amadeus is just perfection yeah i know you I've heard a uh, fireman's ball is uh, pretty good. That's 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 the biggest mm -hmm. Milos Forman uh, movie that I've heard of before he came over to the to the U.S. Um, our lists are structured quite similar, although RoboCop and The Fifth Element, with both of which we've talked about on the show, uh, just missed. Uh, uh, the list here. Um, but my number five is Snowpiercer. Uh, my number four is The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro's best picture winning uh, masterpiece. Um, number three is Arrival. I also got Denis Villeneuve on the list, just okay. not the same one. Uh, this movie takes you on a, a really interesting journey all around time and space without you even realizing it, which is such a feat that I has never been replicated in the same way before. Uh, number two is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. That was directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Nice. Um, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is not my favorite Harry Potter movie, uh, but it is, I believe, the only one uh, directed by someone who is not of um, uh, who whose uh, English is yeah. not their first language. Um, but it is still, I think, one of the tightest movies to ever exist, and still like breezes by at 
at like two hours and 20 minutes and still just absolutely brings mm-hmm. the house down. Uh, number one is also Amadeus, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, just absolutely hilarious and and very, very dark, often at the same time. Um, yeah. Um, our next category is expedition movies, which we can define however we like. Uh, Shane, what, what were your uh, parameters for, for, for this category? I felt like it was there. You're journeying somewhere for a purpose that somewhere could be vague. Mm-hmm. So mine is a bit all over the place in terms of these journeys that they go on. But it isn't just like journeying out for whatever. Like I felt like it had to have some kind of purpose. And so like my number five is the Lost City of Zed. Mm. So like they were trying to find this lost civilization. Lovely Hunnam in it. James Gray just made such a beautiful film. And this is like legitimately an expedition. So like this is like probably in its most traditional sense. My number four is Annihilation, mm. which them trying to get to the center of this strange dubstep sounding <laughs> just <laughs> space blob that appears in nature, which with the most horrifying like genetically modified things you're going to find in it this movie is so horrifying um i remember sitting in the theater like i had people get up and walk out of this movie and i walked out being like this was the most amazing movie i've seen all year um number three is stalker which like a hundred percent sure the writer of Annihilation had to have seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stalker is um Tarkovsky's just cr- strange journey of three intellect two intellectuals and their guide into the strange, like forbidden zone. And it's such a fascinating science fiction film. Um, speaking of science fiction, number two is Interstellar expedition in space so i they're trying to find a new world home world for humans and just christopher nolan was like i love science fiction and you're all gonna know why and just throwing all of like the kubrick and everything that he can find into this film and hans zimmer's score and that organ go hard so hard and my number one I, had, I felt like I had to put one of these. So, and this is fantasy. It's Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Because nice. this one legitimately felt like it was like, this is like, we have this ring. We have to get to this place. And this one feels like the most like adventure of the three films. So I felt like this one was the most fitting. Totally. Uh, nice. Very nice. Uh, mine. Uh, uh, my category is, I think, pretty 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 similarly defined to yours uh mm-hmm. the lord of the rings is not on my list uh but uh my number five is the blair witch project uh they were going out to find uh the blair witch with no destination in mind and no hope for return um number four and three are pretty similar i didn't intend to put these next to each other but it just kind of shook out that way uh mm-hmm. number four is king kong from 1933 uh, in which mm-hmm. the first half is essentially an expedition to the mysterious skull island but number three is kong skull island from 2017 which is a much more modernly defined expedition that takes the entire film um so yeah. it is like the, the actual expedition aspect is more of a focus uh number two is prometheus um 
in which mm. the, the the colonists are trying to find a new planet, and it goes, of course, horribly wrong. And number of one, course is, it does, of course. <laughs> uh, and number one is Interstellar, uh, just as Shane, just as you mentioned, just an absolutely epic and just absolutely fantastic space drama. I watched this over um, at the end of the summer uh, again for the first time in years with my brother, and I was blown away yet again. Just an absolutely um heartbreaking and and groundbreaking uh movie um but our final category is our 1975 watch list and we're going to play the game how many of these has shane seen <laughs> uh but shane you go first uh my number uh so number five the stepford wives because mm. i'm very interested i've seen parts of like the newest version of this but i'm very very interested to see the original um, number four is Rollerball, because this mm. just seems like it would be a crazy fun movie to watch with James Caan. Number three is Tommy, because I have heard all the music from this rock opera. I'm like, I feel like I should watch the actual film. Um, number two is Death Race 2000. I've seen the Paul W.S. Anderson sequel, but I feel like I should go back and actually watch the original film. And number one is Salo. Which, mm. this seems like a pretty famous film from 1975 in terms of, uh, like, acclaim. And this Italian film, like, is probably the most highly acclaimed film on my list that I haven't gotten a chance to see yet. So, wanted to throw that on there. Nice. That's uh, 120 Days of Sodom, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I... Did not put that on my list, despite my morbid curiosity about it. So who knows? I may get to that at some point in my life. Um, and to be but... fair, I have no idea what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go in blind. We do have uh, two of the same uh, on, okay. on uh, that we share. Uh, that's The Stepford Wives and Tommy. Uh, that's actually my... Not that the ranking matters, but that's my number four and five. Uh, also on the list is Deep Red which I've heard not a lot about, um, but it, it 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 just seems fascinating on the surface. I mean, I love Argento. Uh, number two is Nashville. Um, I've never seen a Robert Altman movie, uh, and, I, and, and I've heard really, really fantastic things about Nashville. Uh, and number one is Barry Lyndon, uh, which is perhaps the biggest and most popular film from 75 that I haven't seen, and I will watch at some point uh, during my winter break that will span these uh, these next couple months. But I will yes. get there. So, so Shane, how many of these have you seen? So the two that we shared, obviously not, and then all three of the other ones. That makes and sense. <laughs> I am super excited for you to watch Deep Red, and super duper duper excited for you to watch Barry Lyndon. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. Uh, but anyway, thank you all out there for watching. We really really appreciate it. Um, Next week, we'll be watching An Elephant Sitting Still from 2018, which we understand if you don't want to watch this one before uh, before we cover it. It is almost four <laughs> hours long. Um, yep. So uh, definitely, you know, take that... Uh, Take that, take that slow. Uh, keep that. Before keep you inevitably watch a whole entire half of a TV show in five hours, <laughs> just watch this movie instead. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shane, uh, where would you like to send people if they want to hear more from you? You should head over to the Wasteland Viewer Instagram page where I shamelessly plug all the things that I do from all of my podcasts, from Cinematic Wasteland, Wasteland Vintage Roadshow, and 
grown in the wasteland, obviously, here. And where I do my writing for SifPop.com, GuideToMovies.com, the podcast I do for Scribe Magazine, and then everything that I do on my YouTube channel, and including my three weekly shows with Rowan. We just recorded an episode, and all... All the things that I review, basically anything, and have a new fun venture coming up, but I'm going to leave that to Rowan. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can find me at uh, on, on Letterboxd and Instagram, at Rowan Boat on Twitter at Bits of Joel, and my new venture uh, called Knock on Wood, which is a, a, uh, a new collaborative film website uh, that I, I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, there will be a lot more on there. Um, but uh, among the the contributors, we have my gracious co-host here, Shane Kanto. Uh, we have uh, my other fellow podcast co-hosts, Davis, uh, Heath, and Foster, and um, our uh, our uh, friends of the show, uh, May and Robert, as well, are our uh, our contributors. So plenty of people uh, that you that I'm sure you will love uh, to hear from. Uh, but thank you guys once again for. Oh, sorry, I forgot to give the website URL. That's knockonwoodfilm.com. So go check that out. Um, and uh, put your email into the little bar and subscribe because that helps. Uh, it helps the more people subscribe, the more it'll uh, pop up on the internet or whatever. Uh, so thank you all very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Rowan and the Wasteland. Bye.